Hey everyone, welcome to Key Ministry, the podcast. I'm Garrett Wall and I'm your host this week as we close out 2023 and prepare for 2024. In today's conversation, we'll take a moment to reflect on the year that was. We'll look to God's word to find guidance on where he wants to lead us in the year ahead. And I'll share some practical action points each of us can take as we seek to faithfully follow the Holy Spirit wherever he directs us in 2024. I hope each of you had a blessed and joyful Christmas. Like many of you, Christmas is a busy time for me and my crew as we navigate family gatherings, Christmas services, and too much sugar intake for everyone. The Christmas season can not only be busy, but exhausting in so many ways. But I hope that you are able to slow down and be reminded of the hope and peace found in celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. This time of year can also lead us down a path of reflection and review as we consider all the ups and downs encountered over the last year. So how was the year for you and your family? How was the year for you and your church? Did you face more valleys than mountaintops? Did the darkness of the defeats push out the light of those victories? Perhaps there are things with your family or your health, your career, your ministry, your church, your friendships, or even your faith that has left you feeling dejected. This life is difficult, and the losses can feel like they outnumber the wins in our personal scoreboard, but we know from Scripture that Jesus was and is victorious. And as believers and followers of Jesus, His victory is our victory. So I encourage you to stay the course and celebrate the wins of 2023, no matter how few they may be, and how insignificant they may feel. We're starting today's conversation here with a moment of reflection on the victories because I know from my own life that the perspective in which I view the year that was will often be the foundation and the springboard I use to create the expectations and plans for the year to come. For example, we know for many of us, we could and should be healthier in all areas of our lives and We don't really like where we're at with our health. So much of the focus entering a new year is on making changes to be more fit. Perhaps it's a new diet, more consistent exercise, new hobbies or activities to support the goal of being a healthier version of yourself next year than you were this year. Or maybe you've set a goal to read more books and fill your mind with better narratives in the year to come because you have found yourself consuming too much social media or sensationalized news and unhealthy messaging this year, and all of that has contributed to increased discouragement and divisiveness in your own life. Whatever those things may be for you, the resolutions we tend to pursue for the new year are often fueled by the things from the previous year we didn't like. But we also know those resolutions established on January 1 can be very difficult and all but impossible for many of us to maintain throughout the year. And when we find ourselves falling short of a goal or missing the mark on a resolution, the weight of that defeat can create a negative wave of momentum that carries throughout the year. So rather than focus on New Year's resolutions and creating goals for ourselves, for our churches, or or for our ministries that are generated by experiences we don't want to repeat or details we don't like, I invite you to join me in reflecting on what Jesus has to say 
about what we should embrace and pursue to find better joy and more happiness in the year ahead. As I've reflected on 2023 and looked ahead to 2024 in my own life, I've been reminded of the Sermon on the Mount by Jesus found in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Whether it was through the lens of my personal relationship with Jesus, my roles as husband, dad, and minister, or the ministry and the church where I serve, I've been drawn to the first 12 verses of Matthew 5, where Jesus focuses on the eight Beatitudes and the impact those can have on all facets of my life. I want us to take a moment to read those together and be reminded of God's blessings as we focus on what it looks like to have joy and happiness on this journey through life as a believer and follower of Jesus. Before considering the tangible ways we can be more like Jesus, let's look at what he says about what we should expect to find as we follow him. Jesus begins his famous message by outlining for those who were close to him in his earthly ministry 2,000 years ago, and for each of us today, what authentic happiness in this life looks like. Each of the eight Beatitudes begin with the phrase, blessed are, and the messages that follow are really upside down from what culture and society and the world will tell us about happiness. And really, they point to something greater than happiness and instead focus on what it what flows out of a relationship with God through Jesus and into our lives. These eight statements outline the message and heart of the Sermon on the Mount. So let's read through the first 12 verses of Matthew 5 and let's allow God's word to speak to us. Seeing the crowds, he, Jesus, went up on the mountainside and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Chapter 5 begins by telling us, that Jesus, in response to seeing the crowds who followed him, went up the mountain and sat down to talk with those who were following him and eager to learn more. And he began to teach them. In verse 3, he begins with the first beatitude, which says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The poor in spirit, in this case, are those who recognize they need God's help. When you know you're not good enough, when you know your sin and shame are too much to overcome, and you can't get to God on your own, you're ready to repent and confess and follow Jesus. And when that happens, your eternity becomes the kingdom of heaven in the presence of God. The second beatitude from Jesus says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. The realities and the impacts of sin in this world and in our own lives will lead us to mourn. And as the weight of that truth is revealed, we can and will experience the comfort of God's love through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
The third beatitude states, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. This mirrors Psalm 37.11, where the psalmist writes, But the meek shall inherit the land, and delight themselves in abundant peace. As people who are meek or gentle, we should walk in humility with a gentle spirit, in the same ways that Jesus did throughout his earthly life. The fourth beatitude shared by Jesus says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. As followers of Jesus, we should have a hunger and a thirst that will lead us on a path of recognizing God as the source of authentic righteousness. And through him, we and others will f who follow Jesus can experience that righteousness. All right, we're halfway through the eight beatitudes. Are you still with me? All right, let's, let's keep this thing going with number five, which says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. The forgiveness we experience from God through the power of the blood of Jesus should compel us to also share forgiveness and mercy with others in this life. And in doing so, we will experience blessing. With the sixth beatitude, Jesus says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Our actions in this life should be motivated by a pure heart with godly desires. And that purity comes from our relationship and closeness to God. Jesus spoke often of the importance of the heart rather than simply addressing actions. And he doubles down here by reminding us of the connection between the purity of our hearts and seeing God. The seventh beatitude from Jesus says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Those who promote peace, even among those in opposition, receive the blessing and reward of being called sons of God by reflecting the character of God the Father. Jesus showed us the way on this as he managed opposition and aggression from others with perfection. And Jesus closes out the list of eight beatitudes by sharing, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Many times during his earthly ministry, Jesus tells of the persecution and attacks of the world on those who will follow him. He echoes those messages here and points to the blessings of heaven that will follow for those who are persecuted as they remain faithful for the sake of the gospel. The section ends in verses 11 and 12 with the reminder from Jesus that we're blessed when others attack and persecute and lie about us because of our faithfulness to him. And he calls us to rejoice and experience gladness despite the persecution because of the eternal reward that awaits us in heaven. Many of us may not experience the same level of persecution in America or in other countries today, but there are plenty of Christians in plenty of places around the world who know this reality too well. Considering this message from Jesus to begin his Sermon on the Mount, we can look ahead to 2024 with excitement for the things God can and will do through us and in us as we minister and love others like Jesus. Rather than entering the new year by starting with the things you will resolve to do or fix or adjust, begin by leaning in closer to God and allowing Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit to lead you towards those blessings outlined by Christ in the Beatitudes. Maybe you're a ministry leader or a volunteer leader with a special needs ministry at your church, and it's been a difficult season. 
Perhaps you're lacking resources or volunteers or support from the leadership in the church to minister in the ways you'd like to for the special needs community around your church. You may be feeling the heaviness of discouragement and frustration and a lack of zeal that makes what you're doing difficult to sustain for another year. And if so, the words of Jesus and the message of God's blessings are for you. Maybe you're a parent or a sibling or someone else carrying the weight of being the primary provider, advocate, and caregiver for a loved one with special needs. The emotional, physical, mental, and spiritual tanks have been near or beyond empty for far too long, and there's no obvious sign of hope or change on the horizon. If so, the truth of the Beatitudes and what God wants to do for those who believe and follow Jesus are for you. The truth and hope from the words of Jesus in his Sermon on the Mount and the reminder of God's goodness and blessings in this life and throughout eternity for those who believe and follow Christ should draw us closer to God and more consistently in his presence. God created us to know him and to make him known to others. And we do that best by holding firmly to the truth of his word and by experiencing his presence. As we say goodbye to 2023 and look ahead to 2024, what are some practical ways we can mirror the life of Jesus and experience God's blessings more consistently and abundantly in our day-to-day life? Well, I have five simple action points that I think reflect what we see from Jesus in Scripture And so I invite you to join me in taking steps towards each of these in your own life in the year ahead. The first action point is to stay connected to the vine. The words of Jesus are clear in John 15 that he is the vine and we are the branches and we are incapable of producing fruit if we're cut off from him. To do that, we must create spaces in our day to read God's word, to talk with Jesus through prayer, and remove the clutter and distractions that are preventing us from hearing the whispers of the Holy Spirit in our life. The second action point is to lead yourself well. No matter how busy he was with ministry or life, no matter how large the crowds or how numerous the needs he found around him, Jesus would often withdraw and pray. He was literally God in the flesh, and he still had boundaries in his life and in his ministry. We all have physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual limits, and we must lead ourselves well through each of those to be most effective as we follow God into wherever he decides to lead us. And we can't effectively lead others without leading ourselves well first. The third action step is to build and grow your network. Jesus didn't operate as a lone ministry wolf, and God didn't design me or you to do it alone either. Whether you're a volunteer, ministry leader, parent, or carry some other role in the Great Commission, connect with other people in similar roles for prayer, idea sharing, encouragement, and friendship. The fourth action step is to remember your role in God's plan. He didn't call you to be all things to all people. And he didn't charge you with saving lost people. You're not God. He is. He's called you to know him and to make him known. 
as we see in the Beatitudes, the blessings of this life flow out of our connection to God. So embrace your relationship with Jesus and trust the Holy Spirit to guide you in the roles God has for you to own in the story he's already written. And the last action step is to know that in ministry, one person at a time is enough. No matter how big or small your church or your ministry may be, we want to follow Jesus' way of doing ministry, which placed eternal value on ministering to one person at a time. It can be tempting to look past the one because of the potential of the many. But if God has placed that one in your path, embrace that opportunity to see how the Holy Spirit wants to move. Stay connected to the vine. Lead yourself well. Build and grow your network. Remember your role in God's plan and know that one person at a time is enough. My prayer is that each of those practical steps will help you move closer to God in 2024 and better experience the blessings of his presence and his love described by Jesus in Matthew 5. I'm thankful for the ways God chooses to use us for his glory and our good. We know God doesn't need us to accomplish anything, but he's been gracious enough to invite us in to his story. So let's lean into that invitation and experience his presence and his blessings in this life more abundantly so that we can help others experience God's love for themselves. Thank you for joining me for this week's episode of Key Ministry, the podcast. I know I speak for all of our co-hosts and everyone at Key Ministry in saying thank you to each of you who listens and shares this podcast each week. We're thankful for the conversations we share with our listeners, and I'm humbled to have the opportunity to provide another voice and perspective as we journey together on this mission to share the gospel of Jesus with all people. You can find a full transcript of this week's episode, as well as helpful links in the show notes at keyministry.org slash podcast. I pray it's a happy and safe new year for all of you. And I look forward to our next conversation soon.